when I got hired at my first UX job, um, we had a product owner. Of course, we had a product manager, CTO. We have marketing team. Like, how do you deal with all of those people as a UX designer? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Designer Sushi, a podcast about the everyday life of a UX designer through the perspectives of two career switcher UX designers that have a shared working abroad experience in Japan. I'm your host, Mika, and I'm currently based in Tokyo, Japan. And I'm your other host, Lori, and I am located in Toronto, Canada. Welcome, everyone, to season two of Designer Sushi. We had, a, we had a very long break and it was much needed. So we are back at it. And honestly, as we were having a break, I kind of miss podcasting. I miss like the recording and the planning of the content. I don't know about you, Mika. Like, did you feel the same way too? I mean, to be honest, I still feel a bit of, of novelty about podcasting. It still feels fresh for me. You know, because we, the way we approached the episodes, we went about it the Black Mirror way. So for people who aren't familiar with the show, they basically have seasons of course, like they, they release episodes, but they usually just have, let's say, four episodes per season. And, and it's kind of the same way we approach this podcast. Like, you know, a se- single season doesn't have to be 12 episodes. Like, we can, it can be whatever we want. And so right, going right. back into it, there's still the feeling of rawness and freshness, at least for me. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I feel the same way too. It's just the the amount of feedback that we've gotten. It's just been overwhelmingly positive, and yeah. it's a bit it's a bit shocking. So I, we're, I'm like personally, I'm taking it all in and just trying to like be better at creating the content and be better at the storytelling. And I feel like yeah, this podcast has definitely helped with that aspect. So it's because of all the listeners out there, they resonated with our story. It makes me feel super happy about it so yeah i'm definitely excited to be kicking season two off with you and having more tea to discuss about (laughs) so topic that we're going to talk about is going from like theory to working our first ux job so how this topic came about was that just talking from like co-workers in the design industry and we were just talking about like uh, what type of education we started and many of our like co-workers they either did a university or college uh, certificate or did a boot camp mm. or self-study and we all had a very similar theme which was we didn't really feel prepared to work in ux based off of all the education (laughs) and the money we have spent on our UX education. So we just wanted to dive in this further and just have a discussion based off of our education experience and just to give also listeners a realistic point of view because we graduated from these our education roughly like three years ago. So it's still a bit fresh in our mind, but not really, but it's still pretty recent. And we're still learning and we're still learning to this day. Exactly. And we're still trying to navigate this crazy career. Some of the topics we'll talk about is how our education both self-taught and boot camp portrayed the job and then we'll talk about working our first UX job so what skills did our education actually prepare us for and not prepare us for and then we'll end it with how can the UX education system improve in closing that gap between theory and work so I will pass it off to Mika first to ask her about what her education was like when she was studying UX and how it portrayed the job so Mika how was that experience like for you yes so I decided 
decided to switch into UX at a time where there were no boot camps available for me. <laughs> so I pretty much needed to teach myself how to design. And so the way I went about it was I started off with books and just learning the principles of design pretty much. Mm -hmm. And the tools, of course, at back in, oh my gosh, I'm, I feel like I'm revealing my age with this, but <laughs> <laughs> everyone's going to do like a math oh, no. now and yes, Mika's mid age. Oh you know? no. But I back mean, you're in... not that old, Mika, come on. <laughs> oh my <Let's> gosh. <laughs> back in 2000, oh my God, 2015. Okay, there, I said it. <laughs> That's so back seven years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Seven years ago. 2015. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Okay, 2015. What happened in 2015? <laughs> so 2015, if my memory serves me right, there weren't any UX courses around, at least not in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And there weren't any, I don't know, like boot camps. The ones that were around back then was the General Assembly one, which mm -hmm. I know, Lori, you're going to dive deeper into that later on. But, you know, at that time, it, it didn't fit with what I needed financially. Like I thought that personally, I thought it was too expensive for me. And so I thought, okay, maybe I just, I should just learn on my own because I had no choice back then, but to learn through books and through YouTube video, videos, actually, that's how I pretty much got my UX education. And so I kind of did my own curriculum. Like I planned out, okay, first I'm going to learn the design thinking methods and then get into the UI design and just do my own thing, like practice and build my portfolio. So that's pretty much my trajectory that I built for my UX education. And in terms of how accurate my UX education is to the job that I had, um, I would say there were definitely differences in that. Whereas when I was learning on my own, of course, I had no one to actually critique um, my work. Of course, when once you get a job and you have to create a design for, for a company, then there's going to be design reviews, right? Design critiques mm -hmm. and all that. And so I kind of have to navigate around that at first because, okay, like when I get feedback, okay, how am I going to interpret that feedback? Uh, okay. So you were not used to the, the design reviews that most designers would have with different stakeholders? Yeah, like the just the collaboration aspect of being in UX design. At least in my case, when I was studying on my own, if it looks good to me, okay, that's it. I'm good. I'm done. But it's a different ball game once you involve other people into looking at your design and reviewing it and just being in that design review. That aspect kind of was an eye-opener for me that, okay, that this just all means that I just know the theory, but I still have a lot to learn. Well, how did they portray your perception of like what a UX designer would be like in the job when you were reading all this like oh. articles and stuff? Yeah, okay. So... The thing that got me into UX was the different roles that you can play within one job title. Mm -hmm. And and so the perception that I had when I was applying for UX jobs back then was, oh, this means that you have to be some sort of a multitasker or like multidisciplinary professional because mm -hmm. you have to be good at, you know, research. You have have the skills to do visual design in a way. And on top of that, you need to be strategic too, because of course, like when you're designing for, for a digital product, you just don't aim on 
to make things that look good, but also work well, right? You want things that is going to be addressing the user needs and the business needs. So when I started, that was my perception that, oh, you have to be some sort of a unicorn. And back then, the companies were actually kind of looking for that kind of person, the unicorn designer. Mm -hmm. I mean, compared to now where it's become more specialized, but before companies were just starting to realize the value of design. And mm-hmm. so my perception that is that I have to be good in all of these things. Right. Like I have to be as well-rounded as I could be as a designer. I feel like even to right? this day, they still expect you to. In a like way. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a way, but even more so back then, I feel. So what you felt like when you were studying, making your curriculum, you felt that doing the design reviews was not common, which makes sense because you're by yourself. So you yeah. don't really have someone to look for fresh eyes. And then the second was that you thought you had to do everything. Yeah. Everything. Is that the case right now, though, with your work? Well, to an extent, you still have to be competent in all areas of UX design. But now it's become more focused towards strategy, like UX strategy and mm-hmm. experience design in general. I still mm-hmm. do UI design. I still love mm-hmm. doing it. But um, as far as my responsibilities right now in my work is concerned, mm-hmm. it's more towards the UX design part from the UX design. Because in the company, we already have a dedicated team whose Mm -hmm. job is to gather data Mm -hmm. and to do research. Although I I still have to do some research on my own, but because I work in a multinational company, which is, they have a lot of resources at their disposal. So it's just me, I can just look at the data Mm -hmm. without being too hands-on on the research. Although I still seek it out in side projects. So Mm -hmm. I still want to do research on my own. But when you're in a multinational company with lots of money to spend on tools and can hire a dedicated team for that, you know, the focus of your job responsibility is going to change. Right. Yeah. But what about you, Laurie? Yeah. So just to remind listeners, I took a boot camp at General Assembly. And yes, I agree. It was very expensive. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm just like, when I think about it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I poured in almost 15K on that. <laughs> Obviously, there are yeah. expectations when you pay so much money for that. You're going to have really high expectations because the money has to be worth it. So mm. Actually, my expectation was when working as a UX designer before starting the bootcamp, I just felt that it was going to be very creative driven. I actually thought it was a more graphic design driven rather than the strategy. Yeah. So I was uh, because it was all like new to me and I just wanted to like, you know, come with an open mind, but it was fine Mm -hmm. because I have a business background. So I was able to adapt to that. But I guess some people in my bootcamp, they probably might have had a different expectation of a UX designer. And you can definitely tell based off of like how many people pursued it. You mean that in your cohort, not necessarily everyone ended up doing UX? Surprisingly, a lot of people did not. I would say, okay, so there were 12 people in my cohort. Mm. And I think to this day, currently, three people, including myself, three out of 12 are working in UX. Or sorry, three or four maybe out of are working in UX. And so that percent, it's less than 50%. Yeah, think surprising. Hey, right, exactly. So I think based off those stats I gave and then my experience, I think there is definitely a gap out there, but we'll explain more in detail 
Okay, so yeah, so General Assembly, obviously, it's going to be a more structured curriculum compared to yours, Mika, where you had search for a curriculum. So everything was very structured. So we had to when we were doing projects, we literally had to follow the same UX process in order. So that's what it actually yeah. felt like the job was like, was to actually fall step by step, like very oh rigid, my God. like that, right? Uh, like a structure, structure, structure yeah. way. It just made me think of an analogy. Oh my God. Like, it's like, okay, like the way we approach our UX education with you, Lori, it's like playing Mario World, like yeah. playing Super Mario. Mm-hmm. There's a progression. Meanwhile, yeah. mine was like Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh <laughs> Open my- world. <laughs> It's funny because I prefer, if we're talking about games, oh I God. don't like Mario. Definitely 100% Zelda Zelda. Fan. But then in case of the UX education, like that's the, the analogy that I could think of. That's so funny if you're putting it in a gaming <laughs> analogy because, yeah, that's I don't true, even right? like Mario. I hate Mario games because of the levels and it's very linear. Oh, they God. call it like a linear game. Yeah, a linear one. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then Breath of the Wild is more open-end so you can do whatever you want and definitely, yeah, yeah. I like more open-ended games. But yeah, totally getting off topic on games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a fun the analogy. Lori. I know. That's coming out. That that gaming oh, obsession's coming out. But we could definitely just, save this for another yeah. discussion. <laughs> but yeah, okay, exactly how you had that analogy with the Mario. So I honestly felt like when I was at my my first UX job, I literally thought you had to do the same process for everything in order. It couldn't be like jumping the steps. Mm. So like in our projects at General Assembly, we had to first start off with like, you know, the user interviews or like making the surveys of like a problem Mm. that we are thinking of solving. And then after that, they got really into writing problem statements. Like they would not let that go. They're like, you cannot start on the next step until you write a perfect problem statement. So I was, oh my God, stressing out so much on this problem statement. And then having to create personas too. Mm. And then after that's the user flows. And then after that, it's the sketching. And then after that's wireframing, prototyping, user testing. So yeah, yeah, blah, 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 all that step. But you know what? At my work, I don't do any of those step-by-step. not in order it's super messy in in the real working world and that is what thing i kind of struggled when my first month into my job i'm like oh my god shouldn't we be like doing like user interviews and stuff but no that's not the case that's not how it's supposed to be because at work it's not like that at all it's like it could be it depends on the project that you're on or like the context of it and you are not supposed to like a rigid step-by-step which is how i thought it was Mm. going to be like And then another, okay, there's another thing I didn't like about the process was that General Assembly never portrayed the UX process as tools. For example, Mm. persona is a tool to help you with solving the problem or a uh, user flow is to help, is a tool to solve the problem. But I felt that General Assembly, they never portrayed that as one of the tools you can use to solve the problem. In reality, it is. These are many tools you use to solve the problem. You don't have to use all of them, right? Like, I remember mm. we were talking about Mika, right? Remember you were talking about yeah. like one of your coworkers was, I don't believe in personas. And I like laugh so much about that. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, at the end of the day, it depends on this tool set that you have. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a matter of, okay, this is the, the task that I have for today. Okay, which design thinking method is the most appropriate for this problem? So it's not a matter of like, oh, you have to do everything before you get to the solution. Mm-hmm. It's more of the, you're just presented with the framework of what the process is like. But then once you get outside, aka welcome to the open world, <laughs> <laughs> 
once you get outside of the boot camp or you know your study practice or whatever it's you have to take into consideration so many things like the deadline the resources at your disposal because you could be working at a company where they don't have much money to put into research so you just have to make the most out of what you have and what you can do right exactly i think that's what they never say about in the a general assembly the boot camp they never said never talked about the deadlines or the like the budget and the time constraint but that is such a huge importance in the real working world is that sometimes we don't have time to do the research so we have to look at secondary research mostly so like what you said miko like looking at the data like you have to sort find that like i also have to do that too i don't have time to make a week of a persona and sometimes these projects too or the if you work in-house you already had this persona set up so they've already had an established persona because you're just now building off like Mm. a new feature of that project so like you don't have to have a persona all the time another tool i did not like was sketching i hated sketching (laughs) why Uh, okay it's because i have had just traumatic childhood experience with drawing because teachers have told me that i wasn't good at drawing and i know many ux designers maybe like in their hobbies they like to do visual art and like draw on the side but for me (laughs) i actually yeah i actually hate it and it honestly stresses me out because i'm just having that childhood trauma where i'm like okay i have to make these sketches perfect but that's not the case right sketching was taught in like at general assembly was to get your ideas out quick do it quick, right but for me i did not see that i was like no it has to be perfect so i literally was trying to perfect it and but at the same time i'm not really good at drawing i can't really draw what i am envisioning so every time Mm. that they made me do sketching like because we had to practice these tools i just kind of very not keen on using that tool so if i had to make a presentation for my project i literally was like i sketched this okay next (laughs) whereas some people were like i did this sketching i did that sketching i did that and i'm like no i hate sketching so i am going to do that next and i hated that they were not flexible on like me personally on what i felt we always had to show that process of sketching and i think at work yeah no one sketches for i think if we're (laughs) ideating no one is sketching we're all just like going yeah jumping into the wireframes already because a new sometimes you don't have to make like a new screen for example sometimes you just have to add like i don't know like a button for example so you don't need to sketch that out you literally can add in a button for example it's a case by case right exactly i mean i mean i can imagine okay you would need to sketch if for example, you're you're building something from the ground up, but then mm-hmm. when there's already an established system or there's already a library of screens that you can design from. Right. I actually thought you had to keep on sketching. Like that was like the rule. No sketch, no wireframe. But then at work, because of the time constraints, I didn't have time to sketch. So I literally just jumped mm-hmm. into like the wireframe. And I'm like, I like this stuff better because I'm not really good at drawing and people will not understand mm-hmm. my sketches anyway. So I'm just going to like jump yeah. into wireframing. And it honestly works for me. And I think, yeah, if you don't like sketching, I think that's okay. Yeah. In the end, if we were envisioning like different solutions, I'd make five different versions of the same screen and be like, okay, which one do you like the most? And then we'll mm. we'll discuss and then build off of that. So I'm like, okay, good. I prefer doing that instead of me just sketching because I think I'm just not good at drawing. <laughs> it's a case by case. And it depends on the person, I guess, right? Right. Yeah. And some Honestly, people, yeah. They, they do like to sketch though. But if you're listening and you like to sketch, please stay away from <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, gonna stress, away from, no, you're gonna stress her out 
you know some people in my boot camp they had such good sketching drawings and i felt so insecure about my sketches i didn't even want to share it and you know sometimes when they make their portfolio i've seen some portfolios where they actually make the sketches look pretty and i'm like yeah realistically is that the case because sketching can be very messy too so i was like i don't like the sketching idea <laughs> You heard it, people. You heard, you heard it first. <laughs> of course, yeah. If you, if you enjoy sketching and getting your ideas out, then that's fine. But honestly, sometimes I ask people if I do like portfolio review, I'm like, why did yeah. you sketch? Some people don't know the answer to that. And I was just like, okay, but I'm just wondering because for me, I don't like sketching due to um, childhood trauma experience. But uh, yeah, I was curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> But yeah, so people like sketching, and I guess, okay, mad respect for the for you people. Um, <laughs> this respect. is just me. This is just for me, how I feel. And then I'm thinking, okay, another thing that I was surprised at at war was that, oh, the components. So, you know, General Assembly, we always had to make our components. And I thought, because I right. guess they're like new, we're making new concepts and new mm. flows. It's like starting from scratch. And I literally thought we had to do that in real life, like make new components all the time. But that's not the case. In real life, you literally, if you work for a big company, they have a design system to follow. So you literally just yeah. follow that design system and or either build off of that existing mm. component in that design system or just not make a new component in that design system. So that was the one thing I was a bit shocked about. I'm like, oh, I don't have to make that component. I can just, you know, <laughs> right? Copy and paste it like that. Because that's how I perceive it. It's like I a revelation. To... Right? Like, oh, I don't have to do this. I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. Well, because like actually in General Assembly, they never taught us about design systems. There never was. Well, oh, not that really? I know of. Maybe they have now, but at, back then for me, they never went into detail about it. I mean, I also, it's been like, what, almost two and a half years ago since I did it. So my memory is a bit foggy, but I don't remember design system that time. And so I never understood mm. that term until after I left that boot camp because I kept hearing it. Design system, design system. I'm like, oh, what is this? And I got so curious. And then I learned, I'm oh, okay. Yeah, it's a set of um, mm. like established standards and rules in design. I'm like, oh, okay. This makes so much more sense. And so now actually I prefer if companies have an established design system, just because I like rules in design because design you can do anything but i feel like there should be established rules in my opinions so yeah that was one thing i was shocked about was like making the components so another thing that i felt that was very different and then in the end also yeah i also felt that the deliverables in general some we always had to deliver the same deliverables which is wireframes mm. and prototypes but honestly in the end it's just a variety of deliverables i am out to do it depends on the project so sometimes yeah. i have to just deliver just user flows and sitemaps in the end yeah it's pretty much straightforward you know like it's always dependent on the constraints and the goals of the project i like that so pretty right. much <laughs> the moral take is that yeah it depends on it the depends. constraints and then the goals of the project and then also the problem too that's a perfect summary to perfect say. perfect summary and segue to the, the next topic like Okay, like what skills did our education actually prepare for us and not prepare us for? Hmm, Lori, hmm. what's your take on this? Okay, because I took a boot camp, I feel that mm. it's, I'm paying a lot of money. So I, it, you feel that, yeah, you need to get something out of it. And I get, I, okay, I'm not going to lie, I did get something out of General Assembly. So what I felt like General Assembly prepared me for was the practicing the UX tools and process. 
I felt that they were very good in making sure that we practiced on our projects because there's no other time we were able to do these UX tools and processes other than here in a safe setting of school where you can fail and then learn your mistakes. So I got I got good at the software tools, actually. So that was my place oh. to actually learn, like, wireframing and prototyping because we had access to all the tools. Like, we had access to Envision, Sketch. Well, we got a discount in Sketch. And then, yeah, XD and Figma. So it was our time to actually pick the tool that we want. So actually, I started off with Sketch first because I paid for it. So I'm like, might as well use it. Cause yeah, I of course. But everyone was really affinity to Figma. And I did not want to start with figma because i was like i'm macbook user i am loyal to sketch <laughs> but many uh people that had like a windows pc they all yeah use figma because that was the only tool that they had access to really so so yeah it gave me a good area to practice the tools that we used and i guess what it didn't prepare me for i felt that it didn't really prepare me to design between native platforms so like ios and android mobile and then responsiveness mm. so like websites for example and i felt that they were very driven on us to design for native platform mostly for ios for our design solution mm. and i felt that in my job i don't just design for native platform i do both websites web browser and also ios and android so i felt like they didn't really account for those differences in the solutions and also they never discussed the differences between ios and android if we're getting too technical because i design for both there's definitely differences like for example some companies they don't want to customize for ios for example because i heard it's a bit difficult so they usually stick to like the default let's say font for instance which is uh, SF Pro. Yeah. And then for Android, yeah, they'll stick to the default font, which is Roboto. And mm. it really depends on the company and what type of constraints they have. But for the most part, for the companies, if I am if I design for mobile, I have to account for the those two default settings in terms of the design and the layout for iOS and Android. And I felt that the General Assembly never really went into too details about that, the differences. So I felt that I had, I struggled a bit in understanding those two differences. Mm. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, mad respect for like native mobile developers. <laughs> yeah, it looks so confusing for that understanding every technical detail, which I had to do oh. in some of my projects. So I think that's the one thing it, I, it didn't prepare me for. And then also, yeah, working in a product team of product managers right, and developers, because in our projects, we we're just with designers mm. and it's kind of biased because we're all thinking design. So we're not even thinking about developers too, or product managers. And I remember we had one lecture about product and like a bit about product managers. But in the end, I was like, okay, I don't know how this ties back into us. I'm like, especially as a product manager. So it's after General Assembly, I was like confused. I'm like, okay, what's a product manager now? And I remember the curriculum said, you will learn about product. And I'm like, okay, that's what I wanted was to learn about product. And then in the end, I was still confused. I'm like, okay, what does a product manager do? So I think mm. they never really prepared me for working in a multidisciplinary team. And even though it's a bootcamp filled with people also that are designers developers and also product managers i felt like they could have done a better job in intersecting us because in the real world we are working in a team we're not working in silo a lot of the times yeah 
right? So I felt that was what they were lacking for. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, last, I felt that designing without user research, because of most of the projects that we have, they don't have a lot of time to do research. So mm. it would have been nice to think of other strategies to be like, if you don't have time to do user research, we can think of these tools to use. Right. Like, I felt like they should have also prepared for that because sometimes in real working projects, you don't have time to do user research and interview people and make personas. So I wish they had more just thinking of how to use these tools in a strategic way and thinking of the situations rather than being like, hey, you have to do user research just because this is part of the tool you're learning. So yeah, that's how I felt with General Assembly. I'm curious to know about you, Mika, because you self-studied. So it's obviously going to be a lot different. Oh, yeah, definitely. So for me, well, what self-study prepared me was, of course, to get like a general idea of what the UX process is like in in a way that, okay, once I get the job, like I kind of know, okay, what I need to do in terms of job responsibility. And also it gave me a space to be more creative with the way I presented my portfolio back then. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really have that structured way of uh, constructing my portfolio. Like I had to kind of have references here and there of portfolios that I think were great and I wanted to incorporate them in my own. And so in that sense, that gave me, it prepared me to learn how to present my portfolio and what else? Like what to expect basically in, in deliverables in terms of like the job responsibility and all that. But what it did not prepare me for was dealing with stakeholders. Because when I got hired at my first UX job, um, we had a product owner. Of course, we had a product manager, CTO. We have marketing team. Like, how do you deal with all of those people as a UX designer? And back then, I didn't even know what a product owner does. Like, I was, okay, why is this person called product owner? And then I how still is don't it... know that, by the way. I... <laughs> like the difference between product manager and product and owner. product owner. <laughs> like it still confuses me. Like, and then there's also a project leader, right? Like, like, who? How are they different from each other? So those types of things, and of course, presenting your work in front of stakeholders. Like, I don't think that's something that you get to do much of, even in boot camp, as far as I know. Yeah, but... I think. I I could see that lacking for self-study because you're stuck in the reading and learning. Whereas like if you're doing like a class, you're kind of forced to be following the curriculum. And our curriculum at General Assembly was to always present, like guaranteed 100%. We're always presenting our work. So I can see that not prepared for as self-study because very important in our line of work. We're always having to present our designs regardless if we want to or not i had to learn that on the job and i had to present in japanese sometimes so i'm like oh my gosh i had to write my own script (laughs) in advance and it's the business level too right yes (laughs) oh my oh that's even harder yeah and explaining design components and stuff design decisions because for the most part it's not just about showing them the design and explaining the look or whatever but it you really have to make them understand why you made it the way you did 
Mm-hmm. And so on top of that, having to explain that in Japanese, so you can just imagine. <laughs> two different learning curves <laughs> at the same time. That's like two roadblocks. <laughs> right. <laughs> a <Okay>. successful presentation. <laughs> you know what? Okay, this is off topic, but I have mad respects for people that don't speak in their native language if they have to work in their in a different language maybe like as a second language like for you japanese and then for like in some people at my work english is not their first language it's a second language and they still mm. have to present in english and so they're probably translating this all in their head yeah in their native language and then like wait how do i also communicate this to native english speakers for example yeah so, yeah mad it's- respect to those people It's super challenging. And the reason why I had to do that was because in Japan, most of the time, the marketing team are are all native Japanese people. So they usually communicate to other teams in Japanese, even if, let's say, it's a multinational company. That tends to be the case, which makes sense, of course, because you're in Japan. So, you know, sales and marketing, they tend to be native Japanese. Right. So, yeah. And so whenever I have to communicate with them, I always have to, almost always have to talk in Japanese. So yeah, that's, my self-study definitely did not prepare me for that. But it's interesting Uh, because we both also have the same feelings with working in multidisciplinary teams too. Yeah. You also didn't know, oh, what's this project leader doing here? What is this product owner? Who are they? Because yeah, they never really... Like at General Assembly, they never really promoted that. I honestly thought actually as a UX designer, oh, I'm the one that's owning this whole project. But that's like not the case. I'm like one set of the project, which is design. Then the next set is developers. And even before that, it's thinking of like the product vision and the roadmap and like building and thinking of product spec and the brief. So like, yeah, I actually was like so confused. I'm like, oh, there's so many other people in this Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Compared to self-studying where you just work on your own projects and do everything yourself. So once I started working as a full-time UX designer, I have to get used to, you know, working with other people as a designer. Of course, like I have experience working with other teams, but as a developer and as a designer, it's a different dynamic because there's different expectation now because once you become a designer, you're the one who has to give instructions to the devs on how to execute, for example, mm-hmm. this particular function, particular feature in a software or in an app. So that was a bit of a shift for me because when I was still a developer, I was so used to like just getting specifications like, oh, you have to make this a certain way, blah, 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 for mm-hmm. this client. And this is the design, just execute it. But now that I'm a designer, I'm now on that end where I have to be the one to think about, okay, how is this going to work exactly? Right. right. And how I'm going to relay it to the developers in a way that they'll understand quickly. Because mm-hmm. I think that's another um, challenge that I usually hear from junior designers, which I can, in a way, I, I can understand. But then because I had a developer background, so I was more, I guess, adept to it because I already have an idea how developers operate, mm-hmm. how they work in a team. But for other designers who are starting out who don't have much of an idea what goes on in um, software development, they find it difficult to collaborate with developers 
Because sometimes mm-hmm. they would give out designs, but then it's not exactly a feasible design because of technical constraints. Right, right. And so it ends up the designer having, you know, getting frustrated because his or her designs cannot be done. And at the same time, it can end up wasted effort pretty much. Mm-hmm on the part of the designer. And so for me, well, self-study, of course, it has its own perks. I didn't have to spend as much money. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have to drop 15K on the... Yeah, like self-study prepared my wallet. So (laughs) (laughs) Prepared for unemployment. Yeah. (laughs) Like that, that's a pretty good... (laughs) That's a pro, yeah. That's pretty good for me. That's definitely pro for me. But of course, it did not prepare me for... Still kind of the same as someone who did the boot camp. Like the actual real world work environment uh, Mm -hmm. as a UX designer. Mm-hmm. So okay, good. Yeah, see, there's some similarities. There, there are similarities. It's okay. just the money difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And you probably weren't constrained on time too, because these projects I was, were like. I definitely wasn't. Yeah, yeah, and then that's another thing that I was able to do was to really explore what I like in the design process. So I was able to focus on like visual because that really that's something that I really enjoyed in the design process. So I was. Mm-hmm able to kind of like discover at the early phase of what I like to do the most in the process. Mm, okay. I think that is so important because after I finished my boot camp, I was just having so much over overload of information that mm-hmm. I was like, okay, now like what do I enjoy now about UX? Because it was literally like a taste of little bits and pieces of it. And actually when you said like you got to explore more visual design, I actually never got to explore that because General Assembly, they wanted to focus more on UX. So like UI was very, very little topic. And I felt I was lacking in that. And I felt that is super important if you want to be a UX designer and product designer is that you have to be quite skilled in UI designs. And boot camps kind of sweep it under the rug and they're like, oh, you don't really need to know that. Yeah, it wasn't that. It wasn't a topic that we discussed because I think there might be another course that's UI design driven. So I felt like they wanted us to take that course, but I'm like, I just threw 15K. I don't have enough money to do another course on this. So I had to really hone in my UI design skills. So how I did that, I actually did a bit of self-study, but not like intense self-study like you, like building curriculum. I just looked at really good apps out there like Uber, Airbnb, Mm. and just saw their UI and like tried to replicate how they did it. And so I think I recommend that if you are lacking that's, UI that's design. That's a good way of practicing UI design. I, a lot of designers have told me that. And I think as I like was learning more about UI, I wanted to learn, okay, let's learn from the best first. And then from there, I caught details of a certain interaction or a button, for example. So yes, I definitely recommend that approach if you're lacking in visual design. And also I would totally challenge general assembly or other boot camps if they say ui design is not important i disagree with that i think it's super important and it was one of the skills i definitely lacked in when entering my first job and it was like an expected skill of me to do it yeah i mean because the thing is ui design is the face of your application of your digital product so if your ui design 
isn't you know isn't great no one would use it either way it's like usually the argument is like which is more important right like ux or ui but the thing is they they have to go well together and that's what you need to learn both it should be of equal importance in my i definitely agree with that yeah, I can ask the last question. After all this discussing about, okay, yeah, our education did this and did that, there's definitely a gap between the theory aspect and the real working aspect. So how can the UX education system improve in closing that gap between theory and practice? So Mika, like, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I was self-taught, so I cannot, I don't know, maybe, okay, if you're listening <laughs> and you and you don't want to spend money on boot camp and you want to learn on your own, I think one way for you to be as prepared as you can get when you get your first UX job is right off the bat, if you can find a mentor whom you can shadow for in a UX project, uh, that would be great. For example, here in Japan, there are people who are freelancing as designers and maybe you can reach out to them and ask if you can like work on a project for them. Because what you want is is to get as much real world experience as soon as you learn the concept of UX design. Because, I mean, it's more a matter of like how soon you can apply what you learned um, versus like how much you can learn in a given period. And from what I've noticed, for example, with um, junior UX design roles, even for a junior UX design role, companies are looking for real world projects already, which I don't know how to feel about that personally, because you're a junior designer. So um, it's always the challenge of like landing your first UX job, because usually companies ask for real world experience right away, even though mm-hmm. you're fresh out of, let's say, out of college or out of a boot camp or whatever. And so if you're a self-taught designer, that might be a, a challenge for you. It certainly was for me because it took a while before I got my first UX job. And I only got it once I realized that, okay, I need self-initiated projects that I can actually present to in a UX interview. So mm-hmm. it cannot be typical projects that you find online, like the travel app, like everyone designs a travel app. Or redesigning Spotify. (laughs) Or redesigning whatever. Like it has to be something that's unique to you. So that's something that I learned early on that I have to make my portfolio as close to my background as as I could. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And for you people out there who want to save money... I highly recommend the user experience of one uh, by Leah Bully. I may be butchering her last name. I'm sorry. But that's a pretty good book for uh, designers who are either, for example, if you're in a company and you're the only design person there, it's a good book to have because it gives you the tools and the methods that you can use at your job. And even for starting UX designers, that's also a great tool. And also for freelancers. And so I highly recommend that book if you want to start learning about UX. And another thing would be the non-designers designer book. I think that's the name of the book. We'll have it in the description. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll follow that up with yeah, you because yeah. I didn't yeah, know there was a book that, yeah, that discusses a, about that. Yeah, it's basically a book for people who want to learn more about visual design, but they don't know where to start. We have to do yeah, that. Yeah, it, okay, Mika, share all your secrets. 
Yes. <laughs> and yeah. And focus on creating your portfolio. That's going to be your first UX project because that's what's going to get you the job. Not, right. not necessarily how you learn UX, but what you can showcase in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That's that's, it. that's my tip. <laughs> right. How about yeah, you, Lori? Yeah, like for me, because I did more of the formal education, a boot camp. So I, I think I have more how the education system can improve compared to like mm. self-study. But it was still nice to hear self-study route because there are many successful UX designers that did that route. And props to them because I could never create my own curriculum and have that level of motivation to do that. But if not paying is a motivation, then I... <laughs> <laughs> that would help me so much. Saving money. That, that's Saving, the, yeah. I need I need my money. I've always wanted wow to choose a career that's a pretty high salary career, but yeah. studying it without paying, I'm like, how did these people do it? It is so amazing. <laughs> yeah, it came from an era where designers used to create UI through Adobe Photoshop. Let that sink. Yeah. <laughs> See, I never used Photoshop. Because back then there wasn't sketch. The education was mostly catered towards in Western market, like US, Canada, like UK, yeah. for example. It wasn't as a global thing compared to like now. Now, like everyone around yeah. the world knows UX. It's yeah. Yeah, you're in a very interesting time. Yeah. Like I would tell people, like, hey, I'm trying to get into UX design. And they're like, um, what is UX design? Oh, it's called user experience design. And then I, every time I try to explain, UX design, they're like, oh, so you design websites. So you're like a web designer. Like, nah, that that's, <laughs> it, that's different. You know what? My parents still don't know what I do. I explain it to them all the time. And I literally, literally like, yeah, I just design websites and mobile apps. And then they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like you have know. to water it down, right? Because people don't don't really know what the term is. Right. But I think now it's become pretty common. Like I hear non-designers uh, say user experience. Oh, I, did, I didn't like the user experience with this. I'm like, ooh, okay. Okay, you're learning. You're not... Coming now. Yeah, okay. That's so interesting. So yeah, okay. So what I think the education system in terms of the boot camp can mm. improve in closing the gap between theory and practice. Hmm. I honestly think self-study, it is difficult because I feel like all education in general, regardless of it being in UX, even like software developers or even in different industry like engineering, well, I think it's very hard to get that practical experience in the education yeah. side unless there is an internship experience. So yeah, if there's internship or practical experience, like I know in nursing, they have that, like they call it practicum. So that's why there's a lot of nurses that can go straight into the job after like they have something like that. So yeah, yeah. different industry, some industries have it, some industries don't. It looks like our industry UX does not have this practical experience. But I feel like all education, it's the same issue. But there should be at least some internship experience. Okay, if we were doing like a short term actionable result for a boot camp, I think they should at least include in the curriculum to interact with other people in the product team, like the product manager and developer, just to help mimic a real working environment. And so 
so the designers yeah. can work with constraints because these boot camps already have these people learning. So like General Assembly also teaches software engineering and they also teach product management. So why not bring it all together in the curriculum, kind of align it and bring them together to build something. And I think that would be a yeah. more tangible portfolio for a designer, developer and product manager at the same time. So yeah. and I remember like General Assembly, they told me that they were going to add in extra two more weeks to build on the curriculum because it used to be 10 weeks. Yeah. But then when I took it, it was 12 weeks. So I was super excited. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get more value in my boot camp. Mm. But it turns out it felt like not much of a difference in the end. So I felt like, honestly, should have just made that curriculum into making it more working with different people because they have access to okay. these students. Yeah, that's one thing I wish that they did. Because it also another thing with boot camps, they advertise programs as on the job skills too. But it's not oh. really like that's all like that's how they differentiate between themselves from universities. It's like we promote on the job skills and had kind of an issue with that because I felt it wasn't really on the job skills. Well, like, yeah, they did teach us how to wireframe, which I do on the job. And they teach us about like user flows, which I just did do on the job. But it wasn't like actual the real collaborative environment, which I actually perceived. It was like, oh, collaborative environment, which is what universities lack. Because universities, you think of theory. And then yeah. camp, you think of practical experience. Like, it's for the job. Mm. And I felt like uh, General Assembly did not portray that. So I feel like if, if it's a boot camp, yeah, just make it more on the job. Yeah, that's basically it. Because I guess there's not much with education you can actually make changes. So, but I do recommend for that to, in order to close the gap is always to have practical experience. <laughs> yeah, like if as early as you could, if you can get connected with a mentor designer who can like who, whom you can collaborate with on projects, then that would be great. Right. I feel like yeah. everyone always talks about that in UX mentor yeah. mentorship mentorship yeah. mentorship and then now it makes sense because yeah. in our line of work we always need a different perspective just mm. because we have biases we all do we all have our own biases yeah. we all have our own habits so it's really nice to have someone else look at our work and that's why I think mentorship is so important in the UX industry compared to like I don't know like nursing <laughs> yeah and the good thing yeah. is it's become easier now to get a mentor you have 80 feelings now and because it's what a mentor <laughs> Yeah, I mean, before, like back in 2015, I didn't have that. And so right now, it, it's the best time to be a designer because you have all of these resources. You have all these educational materials for free and you can get a mentor at ADP. So, you know, if you're listening and you're interested in becoming a UX designer, it's within reach. It's not something that you have to go into financial ruin for just to get an education. Right. <laughs> so I think it's, it's more flexible now. You don't yeah. really need to do the bootcamp route. You don't need to do the self-study yeah. route. There's so many different options now to take it. And then universities now having UX education yeah. too. Yeah. So it is getting popular. Yeah. And that's the good thing that it's the best time to be in the creative industry. Just wanted to let everyone know that we have launched our social media accounts. So if you're interested in learning more about us as hosts or want to get more UX content, you can follow us on Instagram, designer.sushi and Twitter, designersushi. Also, if you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating on Spotify and give us a review on Apple. Your feedback will be super helpful in creating content for you. So thanks everyone for the support. And then catch us for again for the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.